Welcome back, listeners of uh, In The Booth Podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest uh, that I'm very excited to talk to. Uh, you've he's, he's seen it all, you know, um, become a household name in the world of boxing and uh, and combat sports. Um, it is Stitch Duran, who is uh, the cut man in boxing. He's 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 uh, even worked the UFC, and he's been the corner of uh, people like Miguel Cotto, Andre Ward, the Klitschko brothers. Now, more recently, Tyson Fury, and actually last weekend you were in uh, Devin Haney's corner. Yeah, and uh, yeah, even uh, become such a household name that uh, he's featured in 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 several movies as well as himself, uh, such as uh, Well, Here Comes the Boom. Rocky Balboa, both Creed films, so quite, quite the resume, and I'm excited to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks. Yeah, it is kind of a crazy resume, and it, things just happen, you know. Yeah. So, so I've been, I've been one of those people that you say are blessed. Uh, yeah. That's me. Yeah, and I'm uh, trying to, you know, I'll talk to you and see, like, was it all by chance or was it all, you know, uh, planned? And you know, it's funny. Like, I'm always a proponent of that. Um, as long as Good, you're doing good to to people and like uh, putting your service out there, just helping people out. Eventually, like things will pay themselves back, and they and and opportunities come from any corner. And I guess you're 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 proof of that. Yeah, you know that's that's a good example. Nobody's ever really given me that that analogy, mm. uh, but but there's a lot of truth to it. You know, you I believe in like you and the karma and the good. You know, you give out, you get good energy and all that. And yeah, uh, yeah. but everything that's happened to me I've, to this point, I've never asked for one job. You know, I'm just, uh, it happens. But I always give back, you know, and that's the thing about it. And, you know, I never forget where I come from. You know, I grew up in a small town of 1,500 people. We're all, mm-hmm. you know, farm workers. You know, that's why we did our lives. So, you know, that's my character. And that's the character I want to always keep. So you had the farm worker background, uh, the the yeah. hard work background just was instilled in you. It wasn't really like uh, an extra effort that you had to do. It was just in you. Yeah, yeah. I was born. I was born into it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't have many choices, right? So, uh, but I, I knew no difference. You know, there's there's a picture when my mother passed that she had in her drawer where uh, I'm 15 years old and my little brother Ernie's 12 years old and and we're in in the winter time we're cutting the the grapevines about like this and mm-hmm. put them in stakes of 200 and and for the next season, you that, those are the stakes that you plant, and that that's how you get your grapevines. But it's the mm-hmm. winter time, and my little brother's like this, smiling, right? Yeah. And there's a bus behind us that took us to work and all that. So it just showed that you know through hard work, it, it was not hard work when when you're out there having fun. And and that picture right there is very inspirational, especially when he's like this. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite a a fighter's. Uh... Yeah, well. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, so that was that's always been our struggle. You yeah. know, one or the other, we've always, uh, you know, we're always the underdogs and we always prevail. So, well, you see, like f- fighters always coming from uh, backgrounds like that. You have a lot of these fighters that say, "Well, we had to fight to 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 survive, and that's how we got into it and stuff." Um, how did you? Was it was it that uh, combat sports, boxing was so so big in those um, communities? No, day, no, no, not at all. No, not at all. It was not. How did you get into it? Uh, well, you know, it was non-existent. I, I grew up. Baseball was American baseball is what we, our community, we played baseball all the time. Yeah. Right. And uh, but in 1972, I joined the Air Force. I was in the military, and uh, I told myself if I ever went to the Orient, I'd like to study the martial arts. That was that was now 1972. You were near board, right? But that was the Bruce Lee era. Right. And, right. Uh, but they sent me to a place called 
uh, Utapau, Thailand. And I, being a young kid, I didn't even know what the hell Thailand was. And uh, but I had friends that were already stationed there, and, and they invited me to my first Muay Thai fight in downtown Banchan, and uh, I liked it, you know. So on the base, they had Taekwondo for the GIs, see, the the soldiers. Nice. And uh, but Taekwondo Thailand to me as a young dumb naive kid is the same. So yeah. you know, of course we started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, Thailand, Taekwondo, same thing, right? I didn't the Taekwondo know. with the TH, the Taekwondo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a different yeah, thing. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, you kids, yeah. so you understand, right? So, yeah, yeah. For, so for three months, you know, we trained Taekwondo, and which really benefited us because of the kicks, right? The, the more of the agile and, and the flexibility yeah. and all that. And the Koreans left, and, and then the Thais took over the program, and they kind of transitioned us, but kept the a lot of the taekwondo Wait. techniques and yeah so that's for that whole year that's what i ate slept and dreamt that and got back to the states and got into boxing just to improve my hands and exactly, from there yeah. i started training amateur boxers and then i opened up my own school of kickboxing with just a credit card as crazy as i was right yeah. and then from there my uh my career started but you know i was training a lot of fighters uh um uh, you know in kickboxing and that's how i got my <clears throat> experience as a cut man and as a trainer because uh did a lot of uh, a fight for them so the students yeah, needed so to get treated uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but so you know when when i moved to vegas 26 years ago nick i came only with the assumption of being a cut man because in kickboxing i was already a level as a cut man right and, mm -hmm. and of course i worked a lot of champions in, in kickboxing but i when i moved to las vegas from the bay area of northern california I didn't come to be a trainer because I thought all the great trainers in the world were here in Las Vegas, the right. boxing capital of the world. Uh, but I saw what they did and I could do that and I could do that. And, and being that I had a job, I couldn't be a full-time trainer. I couldn't give you 150%, but they would hire me to do hand pads. But I've done pads for Mike Tyson. Just a lot of fighters would hire me. So I'd kind of leave work and oh a couple God. hours a day, do pads with them and then go back, back to work. Right. So, uh, and then, yeah, but being a cut man just kind of floated to the top. Awesome, yeah. Well, it's, it's the thing that probably you thought, like, uh, I stand out in this. Because okay. uh, it's the thing that you thought you stood out in. You were just like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that was, because there were probably a lot of trainers, but not, not as many cut men or people that were actually passionate about it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah. there was, um, keep in mind, at that time, it was only boxing. Right? Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, I was going to ask, because uh, kickboxing isn't, um, isn't that big in the States, is it? It's, it's real big, actually. It is yeah. because well, I mean, we're we're in the kickboxing. Netherlands here. Oh, you talking about kickboxing? Kickboxing, boxing? Okay, yeah, yeah, kickboxing. Yeah, no, okay, yeah, no, yeah. no. I mean, Holland, the Netherlands. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the saying. second home of because uh, kickboxing. For me, uh, yeah. So it's funny you said taekwondo background. I have a taekwondo background, and uh, I also did boxing to do the hands <laughs> to improve the hands as yeah. well. Actually, yeah. when I was registered, signed up to uh, taekwondo, was my parents that wanted to, me to learn self defense. So I grew up in the Middle East, uh, you know, and uh, they wanted me to be able to defend myself in school, you know, stuff like that. But um, I always I thought I, I started getting a love for boxing then uh, and, and realized just how much you're missing in terms of hand movement. Because you do get the punches in Taekwondo, but it's like, right. what is it? It's, it's these, yeah. these two straights, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, I remember like the first, uh, when I really got into it was, um, was around the, the, Pacquiao, um, the Pacquiao de la Hoya time. That's when I was really like, that, that, that's insane. Because they were building up de la Hoya, I was like, the media was putting it out as he is the guy and you have this smaller Filipino guy <laughs> coming in to fight him. 
and he got dismantled. So that was uh, impressive to me, and I started, uh, you know, getting in uh, working my hands. But when I moved to Holland um, to, for for university, there was no like boxing is now actually growing here, but it wasn't big at all there. It's uh, everything was kickboxing, and I, and it, the, the kicking is a lot different than it is in Taekwondo. And um, so I had a hard time finding uh, just boxing, but but I guess that makes the community smaller and tighter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny you, you bring that up because when I when I left Thailand, I was still in the military and I was stationed in South Dakota. Uh, so you know, I'm in the gym, kind of working on my own. And there's a karate class there. I think it was Kempo Karate or something like that. And mm-hmm. and we became friends. So uh, I joined a karate tournament with them because there was kickboxing was for for the most part non-existent in the states. It was in very few places, but yeah. I wasn't even familiar with it. So I joined the karate tournament just for the hell of it. And, and uh, I fought three guys and I think I did a total of five kicks. And one guy, that was it. And I put them out and one guy says, hey man, you're kicking too hard. But what? I couldn't understand that because <laughs> well, in, in Taekwondo and karate, it's points, right? Yeah. Bam. And, and uh, but yeah, they, uh, for the championship, I guess the championship you call it, uh, I did a stepping sidekick, the, the Taekwondo move and, hit the guy in the rib and threw him out of the square circle. And yeah. just like the karate kid, you know, you got to get on your knees and face away from your opponent until he gets better. And yeah. So he got better. And the second technique was a, a, a roundhouse right in the same spot. And that's how I beat him, you know, but that was it, you know, so yeah. yeah but it was for the knockout though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Like, guy says, Hey man, you're kicking too hard. And I just, I couldn't understand the, how does you know, yeah. the philosophy behind that, you know, but, uh, but it was a great learning experience. And, um, you know, that kind of influenced me to go further and learn as much as I could uh, in all all combat sports. So, and here I am talking to you. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) all the way across the world. So uh, it's interesting because it makes makes more sense why you're uh, you're also just interested in um, working for uh, MMA. Are you still under contract with Bellator or? Uh, No, you know, that was... uh, well, you know what happened with the UFC, right? Or you probably don't. Yeah. Want to ask a question. That's fine. Well, those, yeah, that's coming up. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, Scott Coker, when I had my school of kickboxing, was the promoter that promoted the majority of my fights, my fighters' fights. <clears throat> so I've yep. known Scott for 30, 35 years. So he brought me on board, but then um, uh, Orsat Roko, uh, that managed Coca, <clears throat> created mm-hmm. a FFC, Final Fight Championship, here in Las Vegas. And uh, where they have uh, Muay Thai, kickboxing, and boxing in the same card. And uh, he brought me on board as, as one of the executives, and, and we did a year of it, and then this pandemic kicked. But during that time, I, I told Scott, and he gave me his blessing, and I uh, went over there to a new project. So uh, now that the pandemic is coming to an end, I hope to continue, but uh, yeah. doing a lot of boxing right now, so that's keeping me busy. Yeah, it's good. It's all coming back, even with crowds. I mean, you got more crowds than the... I mean, UFC is uh, back with crowds every once in a while, but... Uh... Boxing, I feel like every every other show, it's uh, there's crowds. Yeah, well, you know, and start, starting today, actually, uh, in Las Vegas, it's it's 100. percent So we're back. That's to crazy. Yeah. So the whole, just your career is is back. This <laughs> completely. Yeah. yeah. Back I, to I full. Blessed, I did uh, Top Rank, which is the top boxing promoter in yeah. June. They, uh, in fact, it's been a year. So I've done 30, 34 shows with them in the bubble, and mm-hmm. uh, then I've done three other shows with Triller and. And you know these YouTubers. So yeah. I've been blessed. You know, being yeah. under the t- pandemic, uh, got to work. You know, hang out with friends and and do some work and get paid. You know, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was I've been blessed in that department. Well, I guess let's get into that then. Uh, the YouTubers. Um, do you, by the way, do you get 
paid more on those YouTuber cards as well than you normally yeah, you would? Know, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, basically, I get paid as I would like a championship boxing event. That know? is Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, Who'd I mean, they're also getting paid. Well, they're not getting paid to championship boxers, but well, they're getting paid a lot. They're getting they're paid getting more paid than now. undercard, than, um, let's yeah. say, co main events. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, yeah. the first one I worked with KSI when he fought Logan Paul, yeah. well, I didn't know who either one of them were, mm -hmm. you know, and, and KSI trained here in Las Vegas for six weeks, but I trained him just like a fighter. You know, I wrapped yeah. his hands, I gave him, I always spoke to him as the mental side, the physical side. So I tried to brief him, and he did a good job. But yeah, but yeah, you're talking about them. We flew from Las Vegas to Los Angeles, 40 minute flight in a private jet, seven of us. And then That they put crazy. us up. Yeah. yeah, and then they put us up in a hotel by in Beverly Hills with I walk in my room and my pillowcases have my initials embroidered. So, so this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you get know, treated then, like the heavyweight champ yourself. Yeah, <laughs> my Instagram my yeah. Instagram accounts, you know, got more more followers. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the new generation. And Good. this week. Uh, I'm going to Miami. I work with Badu Jack. He's an actual boxer. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, Mayweather's fighting Logan Paul. You know, so. Badu's been taking a lot of the. But Badu was on the first thriller event, the Mike Tyson one. Um, he's been taking a lot of these uh, undercards under YouTubers. I guess he he seems to be also very aware of uh, the whole social media presence and wanting to reach a new new audience, younger audience. You know, a hundred percent, man. At this stage, you know, Nick, everything is marketing one one. Yep. You know, you you set a platform for yourself and. And how do you expand off of it? You know, you got to do it outside of just throwing punches. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Badu Jack is, you know, he's a good kid. And, you know, you got to get your word out there. And, you know, like these thrillers and all these other shows, they bring me in because of my experience, but also because if they see me in an event, the fans know it's a credible event. And I yeah. understand, that, you know, and uh, so I understand that. You know, See, that's so. what I was about to say. These uh, these YouTubers, the reason they bring you in is probably, I mean, you've made yourself such a household name that it's, that's what they're thinking. Like, my, the, my corner is also part of the mental side towards the, the opponent. So if maybe the opponent sees which which team he has, oh, he has Stitch in his corner as well, he is taking it real. He's taking yeah, it yeah, seriously. You know, it, you, know, that, you know, it might be a small thing, but, you know, it's just, no, it's it adds big, credibility. It, it just, it, it says something. It's a big thing, and I'll give you a behind-the-scenes story. I work with Vidal Riley that, Uh, from England, yeah. a train kid aside, but he's also a boxer, and, and mm -hmm. he made his pro debut. Uh, the guys in the other corner, I saw him after the fights in the hallway, and the guy says, oh, Stitch, can I take a picture with you? He goes, uh, man, when I saw you in the corner, I knew we were going to lose, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it does have that effect to it, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. So uh, it just shows the credibility. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I don't think it's... Um... I've come to terms with that. It's actually, it could be a good thing for boxing, the influencers fighting. Um, but I was I'm always on the fence. I'm wondering, is it the fact that, well, the influencers, of course, bring a, a new audience and I don't know how, to what extent the audience would stick around for, for real fighters if they're not the online personalities that they're invested in, right? Um, maybe it's more the, the MMA names that they're bringing in, that they're fighting, that, yeah, that give yeah, credibility I, to I, boxing. How do you see it? Yeah, I think so. Well, you know, this Mayweather and Logan Paul. Yeah, right? that's to coming honest, up. Let's, yeah. I, think, I think, yeah, next weekend, that's where I'll be. But for the most part, it made no sense. How can you get the greatest fighter in boxing against a guy that's 0-1, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but what really caught the attention of the fans and the viewers is when Jake Paul stole Floyd's cap. Yeah. That was it. That's That exploded that fight. Yeah. Besides that, there was no interest in it. Yeah, right. And, and uh, But that's what I'm saying is when you get into the marketing one-on-one, 
that was a masterful move. Um, you know, both these Logan and, and Jake Paul brothers are making a lot of money exploiting these athletes, not exploiting them, using them, you yeah. know, but these athletes are getting paid some money. So bless the heart. So it's good. And then not only that, but like Triller and The Zone, they work on subscription. So all these fighters uh, that YouTubers that come in, they got their fans are locking into subscriptions. And I knew it was different because the KSI fight, usually when we walk into the dressing room, we'll put our stuff down and then the team will go to ringside and then we'll determine this is your position, this is your position, here's what you do. But I knew it was a different world with KSI and Logan Paul. I'm walking out with Vidal Riley, the coach, and, and Leon, the coaches. Everybody knew them and nobody knew me. You know, so, yeah. so, so that kind of told me I was in a different world. Mm. Even though you had, uh, I remember you had Billy Joe Saunders on that card. You had Devin Haney on that card. So, um, and 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 I look into the crowd. Did you see? Like, uh, I mean, you've you've been there personally, but I mean, on 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 the the broadcast, it looked like the, the crowd looked so much different than a normal boxing crowd. It yeah, had all these kids with. Uh, there were so many phones out. There was too much color <laughs> in yeah. the terms of like clothing. Like you had the, the a lot of yellow, a lot of red, a lot. Of, Which is not, yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but it just stood out that it was a completely different crowd from the, even when you look at it from far. Um, yeah, so uh, talk to me about the, 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 the growth of, of MMA and specifically the UFC. Now I understand that, uh, of course, because there's this one very dominant organization, the UFC close second is Bellator, um, that they have all the best fighters under their wing. It makes it easier to make those big massive fights seems like they're coming every month you know these huge fights and politics in boxing just completely gets in the way of, of making those huge fights and it goes at the cost of an audience i feel like the boxing audience is, is is older you know and i feel like the younger kids are a lot less into it now but how how would you i was gonna ask this later but let's let's go for it now i was gonna say if you if i give you like dana white kind of money And you've been in the business for such a long time, so you have an understanding of where it's going wrong, I suppose. But you had the condition to, with that money, bring boxing up to par with MMA. Yeah. What is your first order of business? Uh, to organize the fighters, uh, either an association or a union, uh, get them all on the same path. Uh, education, you know, is to give these fighters... That's a good, that's an excellent question. A mm -hmm. Excellent question, and... and uh, These are things that for the longest time have been talked about, but nobody's really taken that step forward. Uh, but uh, education is number one. You know, I, years ago, 20 years ago, when I've been in Las Vegas like 26 years ago, I, I put a documentary together called yeah. Boxer's Nightmare, and it deals with all the hot headaches that the fighters go through, right? Yeah. And, uh, but real quick, I interviewed Mike Tyson, one of the guys in the video, and a week before he got his tattoo, And I said, Mike, every fighter has that one little thing that nobody in, in the planet has. What's that one little thing that takes to be a fighter? And very simply, Mike Tyson says, take the pain. You have to take the pain. And as I broke it down, he was so true because it's pain in training. There's pain in the fights. There's pain with your family. There's pain financially. So it's not a, a bed of roses. So how can we make it better? You know, the, the whole thing has always been is let's, get these guys organized through some association and give them something to, you know, let's say, so let's say, you know, they go to this website, the website will tell you, you know, for management, how are you going to pick a manager? Well, you know, 
the rules say that a manager cannot get more than 33 and a third percent. But a lot of these managers will tell the fighters that are naive that I'll be your manager, but it's going to cost you 33 and a third percent. So I can understand if a fighter is paying a manager 33 and a third percent, if that manager is subsidizing this fighter's career until he makes the money. Right. That, that yeah. I understand. But if you, as an agent or as a manager, just make a phone call and get this guy some fights, you're not entitled to 33 and a third percent. That's an overkill. You're no, entitled absolutely. to 10 or 15 percent. Yeah. So I always, you know, why not? That's the, that's the fees of an agent. And if you're just going to make a phone call, you're an agent. If you're going to supply this guy with income and, and support him all the way through his career, then you're entitled to that. You make your money on the long run. So that's one of the things, health, health issues for these guys. You know, they're, uh, the bare knuckle fighting championships now are creating here in the, the States. It's a new sport, yeah. old sport, but it, it came back. Uh, but they're, they're creating a pension plan. And it's the first time it's ever been yeah. done ever. So there's a lot of improvements. You know, I always say fighters in all combat sports, they're all modern day gladiators. And, yeah. and that's how they're being treated as, as gladiators, and as racehorses. And so that's how I would start putting a program together if I had all this money together. So, yeah. you know, is, is you got to help them. But education is, is number one. Number it one. It is mostly financial. Yeah. I mean... I have another like theory. Well, not it's not a theory, but um, these what they see like the media side of things. I don't know if you if you make these huge fights happen. Like, of course, obviously, naturally, people will be drawn to it more. If I show um, because when I when I show MMA fans uh, who aren't really into boxing, so show them some of the great fights there, they're baffled at the 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 level of the hands and how how much better it is actually than uh, than MMA fighters have. Yeah. So. There has to be a way to promote these smaller fighters and these personalities, you know, to to come out. Like the organizations, the 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 the, the networks behind them have to really start promoting them instead of only focusing on those champions and those big names. I think, but I just don't know how how you're going to go about it if these smaller fighters characters also aren't fighting each other, <laughs> you know, because of the politics, because of all that. So. <laughs> Tricky situation. Yeah, I know. I understand that. And, and, you know, one of the good things about me is I've worked corporate America for 23 years. So I understand a lot of the business aspect of what it takes to run a business. Mm-hmm. And these promoters and, and these networks and all that, for them, it's a business. Yeah. You know, they're, they're all, these fighters are all numbers. How are we going to maximize our numbers with this personality? Why would we invest X amount of money on, on you that's just up and coming? but nobody knows who you are and you're not going to sell no tickets. And, you know, at this point, that's why it's important for you to learn how to market yourself. You see what I'm yes. saying? So, so that, that's the hard part of, of the game. I remember with the UFC, when I first started, there was like 15 members, people on staff. And, you know, the old thing is, you know, Dana, when we make money, you make money, you know, uh, and at that point we were names. And then as they got bigger and bigger, Everybody became numbers, and and that's part of the corporate structure. Yeah. So that I understand. Yeah, there are definitely there are drawbacks in that sense, because that's what I was explaining to my casual friend the other day. Um, when I saw look at the fight purses and you and you and you see like of course the 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 top fighters make nothing, a fraction of what what the boxing names make. You know, 
But overall, if you look at the mid tier, I suppose, and then the lower tier, absolutely, the MMA uh, fighters are making more. Yeah. But yeah. even then, uh, these all these these people on the roster are still making nothing actually, for I especially agree. for the damage they're taking. Yeah, no, I I agree, and that's why you know in MMA uh, they've been trying to put Randy Couture, Vandalay Silva, Leslie Smith. Uh, all these people have been trying to get unions, associations. Yeah. But here's where the problem lies, Nick, is you are a fighter that's coming into the UFC. You know, to, it's, it's the best to be at the UFC. That I understand. But you're thinking of yourself instead of thinking of the long run of other people's careers. You know, how yeah. can you build this program? We as a team. So mm -hmm. everybody, as they are independent contractors, also look at it that way that, you know, I got to take care of myself before I, I take care of a group, and uh, and that's why it's important to have a strong organization that will give these guys an incentive to work together as as an association, and then yeah. that way you could go on and, and negotiate. And you're right; these guys that are the the main eventers are getting peanuts compared to what boxing is getting. And you see the profit margins, the the difference, the the percentage that the UFC gives these guys opposed to what. Uh, boxing gives these guys it's it's a big discrepancy so that needs to be yep. improved i don't think the big thing is also that uh in, in boxing it's per, it's it's personality based it's uh, the it's the individual who was it yeah. was being promoted and marketed and they are the face if they leave the organization can be dead certain names uh was uh Ty tyson fury's with um stop rank yes right yeah uh, and let me add real quick where with this you know the problem with not having an association of people to back you up George St. Pierre, during these YouTubers, was going to fight Oscar De La Hoya. Yes. Right? He's been retired for the most part, but he's still in contract with the yeah. UFC. So Dana says he can't fight, which is bullshit. You know, yeah, it is. It gives him an opportunity to stay in the light. It makes the UFC look good. You know, uh, George makes a little bit of money. What's the problem with that? Do you, you think know? Dana, I think Dana still hung up on the fact he, he's just wishing, wishful thinking that Khabib comes back and he can make that fight happen. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's, that's the yeah. thing. But still, I, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, it was so, yeah, exactly. What I was getting at is uh, the UFC has done it, has promoted themselves to the point that it's the organization that people are looking at, not necessarily the names, because there are so many. That explains why John Jones, even Dana, stated, I don't know if he literally said this, don't quote me, but he, he said, you're not that important to us. And yeah, this is the best fighter, or at least he has the best record. Well, aside from best active fighter, best record there is. Hey, and everybody wants to see him fight Francis. So, yeah. He also said Stitch and I were not friends. So, you know, welcome, yeah, to, yeah, the, yeah. welcome, welcome to the world. And real quick, before when you're talking about Tyson Fury, I did, uh, I was doing a top ranked show, and Luis, I can't remember his last name, one mm -hmm. of the top Brazilian trainers, worked with Anderson Silva and all these guys. He had a boxer, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. and during lunch, he comes up to me, he says, Stish, he goes, we, the coaches, the fighters, we want to thank you for speaking up because we could not, you know, yeah. and I thought that was very, uh, the best comment I've gotten from anybody. Oh, I have uh, gotten some from you as well, from fighters as well. Spoke yeah. to a couple of fighters who uh, saw you were coming on and said, you know, um, well, they knew we were going to talk about this as well. And they were just uh, really thankful. They're like, oh, such a cool dude, you know, uh, it's a shame what happens is that there's a lot of love coming your way from them, so and I understand it's, it's it sucks because they they can't speak out, of course they can't, right. yeah, you know, exactly. yeah. So um, what happened? So okay, I know how you go. Well, explain actually. How did you you meet Dana White? How did you get the job first, and then what happened? 
All right, so you want to start from square one. Yeah, I, I knew Dana in the gyms. You know, I he was saying he was in boxing, but it's, you know, he was doing hand pads for uh, executives and for the wives, and I don't <laughs> think I ever saw Dana work a corner, you know, in all fairness, <laughs> right? But I was in there training, working with fighters and all that. So I knew Dana, and, and in all fairness, you know, he was friends with Lorenzo and Frank Bertita uh, that bought the UFC. And uh, But I was doing a K-1 at the Bellagio. I think Bob Sapp was fighting chemo. And, uh, and, and, uh, Dana was in the audience and, and, uh, he said, Hey man, give me your card, you know? So next day he calls and said, look, we bought the UFC and want to know if you're interested in being a cut man. Wow. At that time, it was yeah. only Leon Tess, which was the original veteran cut man from UFC number one. They brought him on board. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, and, and I got to give Dana credit Nick, for that. He saw the vision that MMA was such a new sport. The, the coaches didn't know how to wrap hands. They didn't know how to work cuts. So they brought in. Uh, Leon and myself, boxing people, right? So that I got to give him credit for. And, and he did change my life in that. So we, we put that program together, the one that everybody uses now. Uh, and uh, so, you know, eventually we brought in five guys per show. It was that busy because everybody wanted me to wrap their hands. I couldn't do everybody's hands, right? Yeah. Stitch, can you wrap my hands? And Stitch, can you? Um, I mean, I do seven, eight guys in one night, right? So finally we brought in yeah. Don House. And, and so anyway, that program we put together and um, you know, it was good, you know, and then we were working on sponsors. Everybody was working on sponsors. Fighters were making yep. 50, 100,000 a fight. You know, they were making more money through sponsors than they were through the fights. I was making more money through my sponsors than I needed the UFC to get my sponsor, get money from my sponsors. And, uh, you know, for the most part, we were getting paid probably less than the green girls. But nonetheless, so was, yeah, I would was, get a sponsor. Yeah. Let's say I get Bad Boy or Zions, then I would negotiate for the you know Don House and and Leon Tabs and get them sponsorship. So mm -hmm. I was always the leader, and and they took the sponsors away from everybody. Of course, you know that, and everybody's effing Dana, effing UFC, effing Reebok. And so that's when Reebok came in. As soon as Reebok came in, it was uh, yeah, it was finished. Yeah, it was all exclusive. You yeah. know, so they took everything away from everybody. So that and, would be fine if Reebok was paying. Their fighters adequately adequate yeah yeah the the, the key word was ad adequately you know yeah. it's say you had 20 fights total and three in the ufc you only got 2500 bucks you know yeah. which is embarrassing uh but they got all the cut men together and they told us that uh you know couldn't use no sponsors so i always of course i try to negotiate a little bit more income yeah and there was no money in the kitty and so we left you know and i thought you know i can't depend on this but through all this John Nash from Bloody Elbow, I don't know him, never met him, called me and asked if I'd be interested in doing an interview on how the Reebok deal affected the Cutman. Well, me going back as a farm worker, you know, my parents were fighting for our rights then as, as fair practices. And uh, I thought about my parents and growing up as a farm worker, I said, if I don't speak up, they wouldn't be proud of me. So I did. Nice. So yeah. the article, you know, being that I was in corporate America, I knew how to present things in the article. I mean, I did like 57 interviews after they let me go. Camera crews come to my house. But a lot of the journalists said, you know, I read the article and you said nothing wrong. No, I didn't. But it was just, I just threw gas on the flame. Yeah. And uh, my friends called me. We were at Costco. My wife and I were at Costco. And they asked if we could talk. And I knew what it was because I'm getting shitload of messages and, you know, positivity and thank you and this and that. And, and I get home and <laughs> the only thing they say is, in fact, I just saw him Saturday at the fight, smart. Uh, 
the only thing Mark said, his voice is cracking, is because we're all friends, right? Yeah. He says, because of the interview you did about Reebok, the UFC's not going to use you no more. And boom, I said, okay. And I didn't want to bust him because he's my friend. And I said, all right, you do me a favor. You tell Dana, I said, he ain't got no balls that he should have called me personally since he's the one that brought me in. So that was big. Boom. And, yeah. and, and uh, the first message that I read after I hang up uh, is this guy now, I know is David Estrada. So, but I responded back to him. I said, look, I want you to be the first to know. UFC let me go for speaking out about the Reebok deal and got to find a new job. And that went viral, bro. And I told you, I did 57 interviews in a week, camera crews coming to my house. And then the dust started settling. And two weeks later, the UFC has their first big show on Fox Network. And Kevin Bryant is interviewing Dana. And well, what about Stitch Duran? Is Stitch ever coming back? And uh, nah, you know, Stitch and I were never friends. And Stitch Duran and I were never friends. We were work associates. This and that. And if you were friends, you should have called him. That whole bullshit, right? And that yeah, blew yeah, up. Yeah, his, yeah that, blew, that blew up in his face. Cool and thing. it turned out to be to my advantage. Yeah. Well, it is. <laughs> yeah. It would be, uh, well, yeah, I was wondering how, uh, how, how, uh, other organizations can keep up then with the UFC because there needs to be, because so, look, Bellator, you can get your you can get your own sponsors, and I think am I right in saying on average uh, the the big names in 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 Bellator will be making more money than well not not let's not say champions top five but the other ranked opponents the top tens will be making more than UFC fighters, including sponsorships uh, in there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, was, yes, of course. Outside yeah, of, I, let's I, say, the top fives in every division. Right, yeah. Yeah, of course. Sponsor money is is nice money, bro. I'm yeah. telling you. You know, I, yeah. I need the UFC to make my money through sponsors. And So do you see, let's say, I keep bringing up Bellator because they're the, the, the maybe the second most popular organization. I wouldn't want to say biggest because I think one championship might be bigger. Um, would do you, do you see them competing? Would, would it be possible for them to be on the on the same level? And that that would force UFC to make these changes. You talking about Bellator being at the same level? Yeah, Bellator becoming at the same level yeah. in terms of viewership influence. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I, I see them you know, growing. I see them definitely yeah. growing a lot more this year, especially. Well, you know what's what's happening, which really is I think is a good thing. Because yeah. in all fairness, I don't know very many of the fighters in the UFC now. You know, they're like you were saying, it's about the UFC. It's not about promoting the fighters. Yeah. So you don't get that. Those fighters aren't getting the exposure. Uh, like they did before, but a lot of these guys that were top names in UFC now are going to Bellator. So that's yeah. bringing a lot more eyes and attention because they were always fan favorites. You know, mm -hmm. Shogun, Lioto, and all these guys, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, but will they ever get there? I, I think, that, I don't know if they have the support that they do. Uh, the UFC does a great program, and they do a great, great job. Yeah, and that I can give them credit for. Yeah. You know, when it comes to business, they are the best of what they do. Yeah. But that also comes at the cost of, you know, fighter pay as well. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, but, uh, but if you're a corporate man, then you would consider that a success. Absolutely. But if, you were, yeah. if you were a fighter, you would consider that, consider yeah. that as an insult. So. Well, a lot of the people on the inside, they always say, um, that, uh, the Fertitas were the, are the brains behind the organization. But, um, how, how much of a, how big of a role do you think Dana White played? It plays in the success of UFC, and, and what role well, does he pay, play? Well, well, for the face, uh, definitely the face is him, you know, but but the, the ones that are pulling the strings are Frank Lorenzo. And like I say, I understand corporate America's because what the Fertitas do, they own like 15, 18 casinos, right? And yeah. uh, 
when their father retired, they gave them one from there, they expanded. And they do a great, great job when it comes to running companies, but they are non-union. See the thing there, all the casinos are non-union, which means that that same pattern that they use for the casinos is the same formula that they use in the UFC. So where everybody is, they're all numbers now. Yeah, it's all numbers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's the process. And, and did Dana have anything on the business aspect to do with it? Probably not. He's the face, he's the voice, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so. I don't know how to do it. I, I wouldn't mess with fighters too much <laughs> if I was on yeah, issues. Like. Yeah. But Lorenzo, for, yeah. Lorenzo and Frank are the brains, by any yeah. means, by all yeah. means. Yeah. And sharp, sharp guys, I gotta give, give, give them credit for that. To be to be expected, yeah. So what did you? So you, yeah, the backlash came. You you know you had to rethink what you were gonna do. Uh, what what happened after you got you left UFC? Everything happened, man. My life exploded. You know, because you have uh, your yeah. your brand, yeah. right? You also have your uh, you have your uh, raps and and everything, correct? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I had those during the UFC. You know, when I was using, I remember I was in Brazil one time. I had my stitch tape, right, and and the KO swell and. And those are available at Cutman for higher supplies. It's one Ramirez has with my stuff. <clears throat> but I, for the longest time, we, the Cutman, they were using my tape. And I remember we were in Brazil, and, and Mike Mersh, one of the attorneys, comes to the dressing room. He said, what the F are you doing with that tape? I look at him and I said, what are you talking about? I've been doing this for three months. Well, you got to cover it up. Next thing I know, <laughs> they have their own UFC tape, right? Oh, and my said, goodness, yeah. <laughs> that's the way it was, you know? God, and, uh, yeah, yep. so... Yep. That's 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 the way they you know they just dominate everything. Uh, that makes sense though from from them of course. Now I realize true it, it is a sponsorship, sure. essentially. Well, you <laughs> know it's funny because when I started working with sponsors, on my gloves I would put the sticker of Zion's right here, right? It, it, I put my gloves on and then I'd make stickers, peel them off, and I put them there, and it became because my face, my hands are always here. Yeah. So one of the attorneys says I couldn't do that no more, and I asked him why. He says because it became prime position and right. uh and then yep. maybe take it off and you know shortly after that they put the ufc on the gloves and all that so uh a lot of that came from you know my ideas in marketing but that's what i've done so yeah but it's uh but but i got a lot of calls from uh, i did rising when they did their first uh comeback show and and uh you know like say bellator uh had offers from all over the world i didn't want to lock down with the group at that time because I wanted to see different programs mm -hmm. and different organizations and see if I could improve them or help them and all that. Uh, but then Bellator, you know, Scott gave me a good offer and uh, and as friends, you know, we worked together and, and that took me to to a different level. And movies, you know, got calls to do movies and uh, that was after, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that was after and uh, so. So, so yeah, it so really people, was. You think it was that media attention from you speaking out that really catapulted your career even further. Because yeah, the, the, uh, because you were in the media and yeah yeah of course and, and doing the right things you yes, know that was the thing and i mean like when i did the first creed movie right i i go to the premiere my wife and i go to the premiere and then we go to the after movie party wesley snipe comes up to me and shakes my hand and says hey the ufc did you wrong i said wow you know that's <laughs> snoop dog i did the last trailer you know snoop dog hey man you know ufc you know You're 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 OG man, you know. Can I yeah. take a picture with you? Oh, that's you know. Yeah. So yeah, so it, uh, it it did change my life. That's amazing. Better. That shows again, like the just 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 doing the right thing for the right intentions, and um, I don't know. You're probably hearing hearing those whispers around from fighters that that were talking 
maybe sh- talking shit about the deals and how it was bullshit. Oh yeah, right? no, listen, I heard from a lot of fighters, man. You know, even yeah. the time. So at when... least you knew that the backing was going to be massive. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I didn't know how massive, to be honest with you, bro. In fact, this same chair that I'm at right now, during that process, I'm getting support from all over the world. Bad Boy, Uriah Favor, they call me. They want to make shirts. Remember at that time, T-shirts were big. They want to make shirts, sell them, and the proceeds go to me. And uh, <laughs> uh, But Robbie LeBlanc, that does motivational speaking here in Las Vegas every Monday, his, his motivational speaking that Monday he says, well, you know, this is about a friend of mine, Stitch Duran, that, that sacrificed his job for speaking out about what's right. And, man, I started crying. I'm listening to that, that thing, and I just started crying with all this positive energy, right? And my yeah. wife walked into the – she walks into the room right here where I'm talking to you. And she looks at me and, like, why are you crying? And she saw the same video, and she started crying. So that was the kind of love I was getting, bro, and still getting it everywhere. Amazing. So how did you get the, and the the movie roles? How did those come then? It just happened. <laughs> just I was just a call from someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk about. <laughs> you like, probably don't like even remember the name of the person that called you. Yeah, no. But well, this one I remember is is uh, here comes the boom. So yeah. I'm I'm doing a show at the MGM, and this one guy wants to take a picture with me, and I said, "Well, let's take one together." He goes, "No, no. I want to take a picture of you." He goes, "I'm Frank Caracci. I'm the director of Here Comes the Boom, and Kevin James wants you in the movie." So bingo, we did it, right? So I got the script, and and of course, Bosch Rutten, great friend of mine, you know, love that man. We're, our, our country we're working man. together, and <laughs> and uh, but I get the script, and my I don't have no lines. And when you do movies, when you get lines, you get what you call residuals, which pays a lot of money every time yeah. they show a movie somewhere, you get a percentage. Uh, so I was thinking, I got to say something, man. But when it was time for me to do my scene with Kevin James, he pulls me aside. And he says, Stitch, we got to have you say something. So I'm playing the dumb part, bro. And then finally I said, well, look, man, here's what I tell the fighters. Welcome to the UFC. Ah, that's great. Let's do it. So they call me in. Nah, Stitch, can't believe no, I remember that one. Big fan. So I'm working on him. And then right at the end, he didn't know I was going to do this. I go, boom, but welcome to the UFC. And I walk away. So I slapped him. Like I do fighters. You go, boom, welcome yeah. to the UFC. Everybody started laughing, man. And that was it. it was Forcing yourself into residuals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. That's uh, a hustle. I call, hey, I call it. Right, welcome to the UFC. Huh? Thank you. I call it my million dollar line. <laughs> that was, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the UFC. Damn. Do you, do you still get residuals off it? Yes. Still I just got some from internationals the other day. Yeah. So I, I watched from... it. Well, it was on TV recently in, in Jordan, actually, in Middle East, just to see how far your reach goes in that sense. No, everywhere. Yeah. This one was. The yeah. international uh, residuals were from uh, Sweden, Spain, Germany, uh, got a, about five or six different countries. So yeah. I know it's being shown worldwide. That's crazy. I need to get in one of those. Some, uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sets you up, happens. huh? It just happens, you know. Because the Creed movies, you know, and the, the, the Creed 2 was very recent. So that's also going to be one that, that's going to take, you know, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be going yeah. for a long time. Yeah, and you know, the thing with the creed is, is uh, once again, uh, like I say, everything that's happened, I've never asked for one job, Nick. Uh, yeah. But they call me, and uh, I don't even have to, I've never auditioned. You know, I'm not an actor by any means. Yeah. I can play myself good, but I can't yeah. act. That I Just know. Be yourself. But, yeah, but, yeah, but I spent six weeks with Michael B. Jordan wrapping his hands every day in the trailer. Just him and I and his friend. Oh, so and, yeah, from uh, how, how hard did he go with his training? Because I, I saw, like, oh, he actually was... Well, also taking punches in the for the filming, but in the scenes. 
Solid, so very, very solid. Up around the fifth week, because uh, I spent every day with them, and like I did KSI. You know, I, I give them my advice and this and that and what have you not. And and about the fifth week, I said, look, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna knight you as a fighter because everything that you're doing, you're representing our sport to the highest level. And uh, he did. He took some shots. He gave some shots. And you know, people don't know. I'll give you a little behind the scenes story. Is is about the fifth or sixth week of filming. Uh, it's a Friday shot. I'm finishing up, I'm saying goodbye, and he showed me his knee, and it's filled with water, right? Just, you know, you get fluid in your knees, right? Yeah. So he's asking me about it, and I said, man, you gotta go get that drink. So Monday, he comes back and shows me the video, and he went and got drained and felt a lot better, you know? But yeah. he knew that I was gonna, I was there to take care of him, and- uh, So you were you actually know. doing a cut man job on set? Yeah, well, just through common sense, you know, I've been through yeah. enough wars to see. So you weren't what, even acting. <laughs> There's, no, even no, behind no. the scenes, it was. Yeah. I, I was giving him advice as a friend, you know. Yeah. Go get your knee drained because it is. You got fluid in your knee. You know? How would he do? Why doesn't he? He should do. Well, he has too much money anyway. But it was, yeah, he should do one of those celebrity boxing events. He would probably dominate. He did good, man. I'm telling you, he's an athlete. You know, number one, he's an athlete, and he did take some shots. And there was one in Creed too where. He was so exhausted, so, so exhausted from doing the scene after scene with Drago, with Drago's son, scene after scene that he just laid on the, on the, on the canvas and, and, and Steve Kapp was trying to get him up again. Come on, one more, one more, one more. And, and he's just exhausted, man. I said, Michael, get up, man. I said, look, you got to represent us, man. Get your ass up right now. I pulled him up. He finished the scene, man. You know, wow. and, but these guys, they worked hard, literally. I always wonder to what extent the, uh, well, it was all... Was it 100% choreographed? All of it was just the choreography that we're going over over and over and over again? Or was there a lot of, let's say, improv as well with like certain uh, choreographed uh, parts? No, the, the, the fight scenes were pretty much choreographed. And they did 100% a great of it, on. the whole thing. But, but okay. other, parts, other parts of the movie were ad-lib. You know, like, once again, my name in the script was Marcel. And I figured I got to change that. But yep. when it was time for Rocky, yeah, no, when it was time for Rocky to introduce us to Adonis, he says, "Oh, this is Stitch. He's the best cut man in Philadelphia." So at that point, I I locked in, right? And yeah. there was another improv when, uh, if you remember, when Rocky threw up when they're training, he threw up, and yeah. Mike or Creed picks him up, and they're walking. And well, during that scene, if you see, we the coaches had just walked out, and uh, it was just Rocky and and Adonis working with each other. But we were filming in the second floor of the gym and because it's snowing outside, the stairs going down, we were hiding behind the stairs away from the cameras. And all of a sudden I hear stitch. So my thing is to move, to go forward. I said, yeah. now maybe it's part of the movie. And, and it turned out to be that that wasn't scripted. But the next day I told Michael, I said, look, man, Michael, I'm not one to kiss ass or anything like that. But that scene right there, gave me chills and I'll tell you why. Because the practicality of you know my job is to take care of you as a cut man. You know that we had just left. And then you go through this critical moment with Rocky when he threw up and as you're carrying him, you're looking for salvation. And first thing you do knowing that I just left is you called out my name. That was very, very natural, you know. And yeah. uh, I thought that was a good piece and they kept it. That's a sign of a great actor too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, when the when the, the, the fingers, if, if you remember the fingers, you know how yeah. many fingers you have. 
Yeah. Yes. The director, yeah. yeah. The, the director threw that out. He asked me what I thought. I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, and it became part of the movie. People, when I went to the premiere, people started clapping. Yay! <laughs> you know, so it was pretty awesome. The moment. powerful moment to be part of such a such an iconic uh, movie too, because it is the it's the it's the sequel of the Rocky. Yeah. So, you know, for for the for the and new then, generation. And then let me add is is like I, said, I was telling Michael during Creed two, that's three years ago, right? How proud I was of him, Tessa, the young brothers and sisters that are up and coming. And, and he said, you know, Stitch, we went from being actors to writers, producers, and directors. And he looks at me like I'm looking at you. He says, I'm directing Creed three, and you're with me as long as you want. You know, and I thought that was very respectful on his so part. Life. So yeah. from what I understand, you know, it's going to be released November of 2022. So when we start filming, uh, I'll let you know. Awesome. I would love to. Yeah. Keep me posted. Keep sure. me posted. I, uh, yeah, really enjoyed them. Because I didn't, I always wondered, like, you know, before before the first one came out. Well, Creed, first, um, when someone put it in, the, it was DVDs then that we had. Um, someone put it in. I didn't know it was the sequel to Rocky. And then I saw Sylvester Stallone. I was like, this is it. Yes. But then I was also worried. Because I thought they always go too, you know, they go on too long with these sequels. And then they mess it up. But this was just perfectly done. Definitely needed the second one. And let's see. It, it, this one can keep going for another like like this three more who knows <laughs> yeah well I, I think that's what you know michael b jordan was saying is that they they want to create the own legacy for for adonis and yeah. uh you know there's a story to be told there so because i don't know how much of the young generation i'm pretty sure the kids don't know the how iconic uh, rocky was and uh and now uh, that eventually will die with uh right with the uh, with with maybe with my generation yeah yeah you know? exactly like bruce lee you know yeah, how many people yeah. with new generation know bruce lee now they made the new one, the new Bruce Lee film. Yeah, but exactly. But they just need a new one. And it still carries the, you know, the lineage of, you have Apollo Creed. So, yeah. So you still have to say, so it's still like, you can go on for generations. <laughs> so, and back to real boxing. Back to real boxing. You are now, I want to talk to you a lot about, uh, a, bit, a bit, a bit about Tyson Fury. You're, you're in his corner. It seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it might be the corner that you are having the most fun in. Yeah. It seems like oh, such yeah. a... Did you see that video? <laughs> <laughs> I saw yeah. the video too. <laughs> but uh, I just see you. in general just how he his, his demeanor in, in, in the gym and uh, he has his team around like a family. It's the real, it's the re real gypsy king, actually. Because yeah. it's the whole uh, gypsy lifestyle is very inclusive of uh, community it's very uh you know um it's family like your friend is your family you know yeah and it really reflects to me now nah, you know what man I've, I've worked so many so many fights with so many great fighters personalities you know but tyson fury is a personality of himself literally he's a super super guy and, yeah. uh, and positive energy and that video that went out when i'm playing the guitar you know, I'm a little on the quieter side, right? I'm a yeah. little too old for this stuff. Yeah, everyone's after, uncle, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Look. <laughs> after uh, after the workout, uh, Tyson Fury he loves music. He jams it to rock and roll, and he's jamming like he's just partying. And and then uh, Sugar starts playing the drums, and Jorge Capetillo starts playing guitar. And I'm sitting the other side of the gym, and Stitch, come on! I said, all right. So I ran up there, and I, the girl from Top Rank is filming it. I said, man, don't put that on social media. <laughs> First thing she did, she put it on social media. And, 
and it was, but it was cool. But was you know, cool. let me tell you about Tyson. When I met him, uh, I walk into the gym, and first thing he does is puts his hand out and congratulates me and thanks for coming on board, best cut man in the business. And, and we talk about the cuts that had happened and how yeah. I'm going to address them. And, and then finally, I said, "Look, you know, Tyson, uh, I work with sponsors, and do you mind if I make an outfit like yours, my cornerman jacket like yours?" and put my sponsors on it. And he puts his hand on my shoulder. He's a stitch. You can do whatever you want. Said, That's oh, what I yeah. like. That what I, what I like about him is this, it seeps through that he does not care at all about the whole business side of things. He just said, and that's uh, there was a statement that AJ made that said like uh, he should sign with uh, Matchroom Boxing. We can make him into a star. And first of all, I thought, well, he is already the superstar. Yeah. I think he is actually more well known in the states than than AJ is. Yes, big time. You know, but he also said, uh, "Has it ever occurred to you?" Tyson said that I don't care about being a superstar. I just want to be a champion. I want to be. I want to box. And that just shows in the way he treats the, the team as well, the way he talks about it, the way he, he thinks, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that, and that's the thing about it is his mentality. Because, you know, keep in mind, I worked with Vladimir Klitschko when he lost to Tyson Fury. And, yes. and I was telling Tyson, I said, well, I think everybody was overconfident looking at you and looking at Vladimir all very disciplined, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but he beat him. And I couldn't understand why until the next fight when he fought Deontay Wilder and his defense and his offense was like no other heavyweight. And when I saw him training here, uh, you can't duplicate his style of fighting for a heavyweight. You can't. He's like water. And, and, but I got to tell you, Nick, that every, minute, every second of every minute that he trained, the, the, the rounds, he trained. And uh, he'd be joking around, but he's moving. And, you know, he's always doing something. But he was very, very disciplined in, in doing that. So just physically a, a freak of nature because he, he doesn't look like he's supposed to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, and, and he don't mind getting hit and, and he yeah. knows how to hit you. You yeah. know, he's, he's very he's very very boxing savvy and that I got to give him credit on. Did you have a plan for um for dealing with the cut in case it would happen, that it would reopen? Because that was my yeah. worry. Uh, my friend and I, he came over, we really just... I usually, like when, I, when I'm watching fighters, I don't have that much of a... Of a favorite, I want. I watch it for the fight. Uh, there's some I like. There's some I dislike. But you know, in the end, I don't. I'm not invested in it that much. Um, the first and second, both actually, Fury Wilder fights are nothing. Not, not against Wilder or anything. We really wanted Fury to pull it off. We yeah. wanted Tyson to pull it off. And one of the worries was Wilder's hand will reopen that cut. Were you? Yeah. Were, how how did you anticipate that? Were you, you know, were you thinking about that a lot or? No, well, that's why they brought me in. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, but that's the first thing I did. Like I said, when we went over the cuts, I I looked at them, I felt them, you know, I saw them and all that. And I told him first thing I said, the doctor that sold you up did a great job. I said, but here's what we're going to do in the fight is every round. I, I don't wait till something happens. I always prepare for worst case scenario. Nick. So I, I, I don't wait for something to happen. I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep ice on you every round just to keep the blood flow at a minimum and and any inflammation. And, and I did that just, you know, and then of course I made sure that, you know, I gave a little extra Vaseline and, and uh, just mm -hmm. kind of did preventive maintenance. Uh, but his defense was good enough. And yeah. then, you know, when you look at, when, when you look at cuts like that, like what happened the last time, I work on numbers. So the, yeah. the probability yeah. of that happening again, that same type of cut is, is pretty slim. Right. Okay. But, but nonetheless, you prepare for it and, and yeah. you prepare for the maximum and, and you prepare for any other fight. Over the weekend, uh, outside 
I worked with Devin Haney, but I also worked with Jason Quigley from Ireland, another Irish guy. And he came in, he already had black and blue, you know, from Martin, I guess. Yeah. But same thing, I kept, and he never swelled up, so. I watched that one. Uh, did he Did he fight? Um, Shane Mosley. Shane Mosley Jr., yeah. Yeah. He won, yeah, that was, uh, man, that was, uh, that was a hell of a fight too, actually, man. I, I had a good, because I just got, uh, I just realized here a few weeks ago that the zone for us for boxing is just two euros, like, uh, it's close to, like, two dollars as well, two dollars fifty per month. I had to I had to take it. Now I've been making good use of it. I bought it for the for the Canelo Saunders fight. So I did watch. I tuned into the to most of the the, the undercard. Uh, I was impressed. I was impressed. What did you think about? Let's it was quickly before we go back to Tyson Fury. You wanted your thoughts on round ten after round ten when when Devin Haney was seemed to be wobbled. Were you guys worried at all? Uh, you know. You know, because no, in the end, really you know, fought. round eleven, he did come out very. He he he, did, he played it out very smart and recovered, but. Where you were? Yeah, no, he got buck he got buckled, of course, you know, yeah. and 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 you always look for moments like that. And how do you regroup them in the corner, right? Mm -hmm. uh, well, first of all, you know, ice all over the face, and and keep in mind the ice will will give you a different. It'll change your your physical mind of thinking. I mean, you get cold ice on you, you know, it's mm -hmm. that it changes your your mentality. Yeah, and and uh, and then just to keep them nice and calm. But yeah, you know, he took a shot, and I think it was in the long run it's going to be good for him because you know you can take a shot. I was going to say it was uh, actually, in hindsight, you know, not, now it's a, it's a very positive thing. And I think he made a statement himself, too, that, that uh, he has been tested. Now he's been tested. You know, that's a big test that you have to go through. Maybe uh, because if, 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 if he has another killer in front of him, let's say Gervonta or something, um, he might not have <laughs> come off with that, like uh, if, if he had fought differently in, the, in round 11, let's say. You know, if that's it, gonna happen. You know, yeah. you're gonna get those kind Eventually, of shots. Gonna you saw that with uh, yeah. with Ryan Garcia, same division, uh, yeah. against uh, recovering, against Campbell. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, I must say, like, do you think this is the most exciting uh, division, maybe in 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 boxing history that you can, you can remember? Nah, I don't think so. No, <laughs> they gotta, these young guys still gotta, you know, they still gotta be the Roberto Durans and the Sugar Ray Leonard's and yeah. the Tommy Hearns. Well, no, the, I mean, I mean, yeah. in terms of competition. Um, well, I mean, you, you of course, you've, been th you've seen a lot more, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, they're, they're all the, the young stallions. You yeah. know, it's, it's like... You're, so, I mean, exciting is not the best, but uh, the most, yeah. Uh, there's nobody can say who's going to beat who. Yeah. And, and, and you have about a, f a five-horse race, right? So, yeah, pretty much, yeah. 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 So, five yeah. Or, yeah, it's five. So, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll wait till they mature a little bit more to get back with you on that. Yeah, okay, true, yeah. Because I was like, I was always thinking the heavyweights are back. Everything, it's, it's the heavyweight division is getting exciting again. And then suddenly the the lightweights are proving themselves. Because for me, all of them had to prove themselves. And now, time and time again, they keep proving themselves more. And I'm thinking this might actually turn into something. And Lomachenko lost his belt. That was a surprise to me. Um, so that whole fight, Teofimo uh, against Loma, I, I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't understand that. I was like ten feet away from the ring, and I'm waiting for Lomachenko to do something, and it just yeah. Waited, wait, wait, too, too, too long. And uh, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking first two or a few rounds. Yeah, he's feeling him out. He's downloading his information. By that time, it was round five. I said, no, I think I, I just think he's not capable of. of whoa, someone solved the puzzle. But yeah. to be fair, he came back like in the last uh, couple of rounds and wasn't enough. Too little, too late. But it's great. It's great for the division, I think. Yeah. Uh, going back to heavyweight boxing. <laughs> and uh, Tyson Fury and AJ. So I have a friend of mine who's very, he's a big, big AJ fan. Loves Fury too, but 
he's 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 on the fence. Who am I supporting? To me, um, that fight unfortunately is not happening yet. But aside from that, I always say, to me, it's fifty fifty. It was fifty fifty about a year ago, and then after watching more and more of him and seeing AJ in his last fight, I'm convinced that it's actually going to be to me an easy job for Tyson Fury. Because I feel, and I don't know how you stand on this, and of course, I know you, you could be a bit biased maybe, but I'm on, I want your opinion anyway. Um, AJ is a great boxer, but Fury is one of those that legends that, that has that legendary Ali, what Tyson had, you know? And to me, AJ is just unlucky to be in the same era as Tyson Fury because he is one of those legendary boxers. Some of you will be one of the best of all time, whereas AJ will be one of the very good ones. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, when it comes to, and, and, you know, I look at this, I always say that in boxing, in combat sports, the only thing that counts is the truth. There's, we could all be armchair quarterbacks and all that, but I, I, I agree with you. I, when you look at the breakdown on technique wise, Anthony Josh is a very, very good fighter when it comes to the basic fundamentals of fighting. Mm -hmm. But Tyson Fury, like I say, he's like water. And mm -hmm. his whole, his whole thing is you, you can't read them because, once you think you read him, uh, he he changes. Yeah, you know. So I I see him as, as as the favorite, no doubt about it. And he seems to f just flow like the whole he's round is one big motion, yeah. one long yeah. motion. Whereas, yeah, he and, and he's having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just his length, he's just it's 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 his arms are so long, <laughs> it's, it's it can't get in on him. Yeah, he fights it smart. So that that was my thought. Um, Another one. So we got, we're going to get like a couple of these, like uh, your opinions on certain fights that are happening. And then I'm going to do sure. some fan questions and then we're good. Um, so Yusik, Alexander Yusik at heavyweight. What do you think? How do you think he'll fare? Uh, does he have what, what it takes to beat AJ? Yeah, I think so. You know, I've known Usyk and before he was a champion and uh, through the Klitschko team. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he can fight, man. No doubt about it. And, and, you know, a lot of times it's not the weight, it's the ability of the fighter, mm. right? And, and the ability of the fighter for Usyk is he's capable of winning. Uh, is he capable of beating uh, Tyson Fury? That's a little bit harder. You know, the basic foundation of, of, of Anthony Joshua going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Usyk would be like John Ruiz going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Anthony Joshua. He, Joshua's capable of getting hit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I mean, there was discussion. Who, yeah, who would have thought Andy Ruiz would have beat Joshua? But but it was it was technique that did it. To be fair, I, I was telling some friends uh, if there's any big underdog you're looking to bet on in boxing, you should bet on him before the before the fight. And they wish they did. <laughs> I didn't even do it though, but I told them this is a dang very dangerous guy, very fast, very powerful, uh, hard for Joshua to get a read on, uh, especially that it was short notice. That also changed uh, changed it a bit. So I said like you know. If if any underdog, you have to bet on him. If you're ever gonna pick a big underdog, but yeah, um, and uh, yeah, no, Usyk um, surprised me. He took he took some shots against uh, Chisora, but uh, I think to me that proved also he can take those heavyweight shots and still win. So uh, let's see, let's see. I would look forward to him again. It's AJ, uh, Manny Pacquiao, Earl Spence just announced as well recently. Yes. Yeah. Am I yeah. crazy in uh, thinking I feel like I'm the only one that still believes uh, Pacquiao is actually going to do it? 
you know, he, he's capable of doing. Don't you know? Yeah. I, I'm kind of like I'm saying if, on your side. Yeah. If the Pacquiao, I mean, uh, the guy that showed up against Thurman shows up. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Pacquiao still has some some in him. Uh, you know, Earl Spence is going to have to box him from the outside for 12 rounds. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. So I'm with you, man. You know, I, I think that's a very intriguing fight where people are kind of brushing off Manny Pacquiao, but I think Manny Pacquiao's a live dog. No, looking at looking at Spence's last fight, um, I didn't see. I don't see him beating Pacquiao. If Pacquiao is still still has Pacquiao in him, which I believe he does. Yeah, I agree. I I think he does. You know, I, I think he has that one hunger in him. But I remember when his first fight in the United States was at the MGM, and he knocked out a guy from South Africa. I think the guy from South Africa might have been the champion. But at that time, he had a beard on, and that's when all the media were calling him Roberto Duran uh, because of yeah. the way he fought and all that. And you know, from then, I became a big fan of his. Yeah, awesome. And then the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm tuning in though. It's uh, to me, the intrigue is just the fact that ah, I want to see how um, how Mayweather deals with a a big guy. Knowing he'll deal with them, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know the thing with with Mayweather. I always say Mayweather and Anthony Joshua. You're not going to duplicate. They have their own style that's only designed for them and nobody else. Uh, but Floyd, if you remember when Floyd fought that uh, Japanese kickboxer, yeah, attention. Uh, he, yeah. he played with him when he fought Conor McGregor. He yeah. played with him. Yeah. And and I expect him to do the same. Floyd is just yeah. he's a horse of a different color, bro. There ain't nobody like him. Uh, and you know the thing about it he's always in the gym yeah you know crazy hours and all that but that's he don't drink you don't smoke you know he'll go out and all that but he's he's still very disciplined. jog back home after a night out yeah yeah, yeah. okay you you watch we tune in or no what's that we tune into that fight or no well i'm working with badu jack oh yeah you're working that's true yeah, yeah. So I, be I watching. Okay. Main, so i'm sure i'll see it from the dressing room yeah yeah yeah, I don't know. I'll watch it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get some uh, fan questions. Well, we've ta- we've actually discussed a lot of these. I'll just take some uh, that we haven't discussed yet. Um, oh, here's a good one. Uh, you once said that of the Klitschko brothers, Vitaly was slightly tougher. Why is that? Yeah, he was still. He started that Russian tough in him, you know, and and that was just that was Drago. his personality, and. Vladimir was a lot more westernized, working with Emmanuel Stewart and, and all these guys. Oh, they were both tough, but mm. Vladimir was the guy that would literally be in your face. Uh, Vladimir would, would box you. You know, he'll do it smarter, not harder. Uh, Vitaly would do both. Yeah. And uh, the thing I liked about Vitaly is he was a body puncher. You know, he would hit you from a distance, but did kind of rip your body and, and he would destroy people. And I yeah. remember he told me, he said, Steve, if you were with me, when I fought Lennox Lewis, I would have won the fight. You know, good guys. I love these guys, Beautiful. man. Yeah. The best people I ever worked with. Just classy, classy, first class people. Those great ambassadors for the sport. Yeah. Ah, oh, tremendous, yeah. man. So, when, what was the greatest fight that you worked on as a cut man? Uh, had to be Vladimir with Joshua. I mean, I've done a lot of great, great, great ones, but <laughs> what made that one special outside of of, of, well, I didn't see Vladimir till the weigh-ins. I was in uh, the island of Crete when my daughter got married Wednesday, 
So Thursday I flew to London wow. and I didn't see him until Friday at the weigh-ins in the dressing room. So I'm talking to Vladimir and Vitaly and uh, finally, once again, psychology is a big game thing for me, right? That's why Vladimir, that's why these guys, they appreciate it. But I put my hand on Vladimir and I said, look, don't worry about nothing tomorrow. I'm gonna take care of you like you're my son. So I leave, cause I know fight night or the night before the fight, these guys are, they can't sleep. They're tossing and turning. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about the fight. So I understand. So here we are right before Michael Buffer, number one, walking into the arena with 90,000 Brits. It's like mm-hmm. 150,000 of somebody else. It was loud, loud, loud. And it was buzzing and just the adrenaline was in. And, and But right before Michael Buffer does the announcement uh, of the two fighters, I'm putting the final Vaseline on Vladimir and we're maybe this far apart. And he says, you can call me son. And that gave me chills because I knew uh, it's powerful. Yeah. Uh, I knew during this moment that I had gotten in his mind. And, uh, and of course, you know, people don't realize he got cut, you know, and, but that was never an issue. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't remember that even. Yeah. 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 A a nice cut right on, on on the skin level. I remember that was one, one fight that, um, some people came over uh, sometimes when the fights are in a decent time because for us it's always a ridiculous time but that was in the uk um that a lot of people that never watched a fight also joined my friends here to watch that that's that yeah. that's just magnitude because everybody i mean everybody knew AJ, a lot of people knew aj was coming up he was his big name like the, i would say the casuals but everybody knows the name vladimir klitschko yeah. and you know what was great with that is the respect that both these fighters got. And I told Vladimir, it was like the last Rocky Balboa yeah. movie. Yeah. Rocky fought his last fight. The yeah. the fans were yelling, please go, please go. And then Joshua, Joshua. Yeah. That's why now Vladimir and Anthony Joshua are good friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if I see him in the corner with Anthony Joshua. You know? okay. So <laughs> I, I don't know, but they're, but they're good friends. You know, so I got to give them props for that. That is amazing. That... Uh, was gonna see the questions. Uh, ooh. well, which fighter do you enjoy working with the most? I guess you answered that. Um, there's a couple. Um, so what okay, this one is maybe more complex. What kind of connections and network does a fighter from Europe need to have to reach the absolute top in the sport to win? <laughs> Just win, Just keep to win, yeah, barging well, through know, people. It, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that marketing 101, you know, to win, 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 and, and to be with the right promotion, and, and just, you know, I mean, just a combination of everything, you know, and it's, but I know what you're saying, you Find know, a good manager. Your, uh, European fighters to come and, and get some exposure here, because it's the bottom line is to win. Yeah, because how many times do you have, you see these, these names come out of nowhere, and they make a good run for it. They might not yeah. be champions, but they make a good run for it out of nowhere. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. What are the differences between being a cut man in boxing and for UFC? Same thing. You know, a cut is a cut. And, uh, the, the thing, and I'm doing bare knuckle fights also, but uh, uh, MMA, the chances of having multiple cuts are higher than boxing. Boxing, you work one cut, you work two cuts, mm-hmm. you know, damn, you're a master. If you work three cuts, man, you know, that's super. And, and I've done that, but not often. In yeah. MMA, that's uh, often... And bare knuckle fights, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how long that sport is going to be around for. I mean, it, it's pretty exciting to watch, but I mean, every fighter has their hands broken after. They're always half of them are in a cast when you see the photo afterwards. And 
Ugh, I don't know where you see that one going. Tough, well, I mean, tough, tough guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the last question: What's the biggest mistake you made as a cutman, and also biggest career regrets, if any? Uh, biggest mistake. Uh, okay, well, I guess I don't know if it was a mistake, but it could have been a blessing at the at the same time. Is one of my specialties wrapping hands, and what I would do is wrap my own hands and you know put the gloves on and go on the bag and you know leave them on and make my adjustments. And but I was at home by myself one time, and and you got the wraps, and I'm cutting them off, and right here my skin turns, and I take about this much off, Ooh. and. And I look at it and I think, oh, shit, I'm by myself. And so what I did is I ran to the refrigerator. I got the medication and I put it on there. And I look at it and I still got the scar not here. Uh, but what turned out to be a negative turned out to be a positive because I consider this uh, a blessing from God, you know, that uh, I did my work. Right. right. Uh, now you're talking about regrets. Uh, I don't know if I have any, man. I mean, I've been blessed with so many great, great opportunities. Uh I don't know. I nothing I could say. I wish I could redo this. I wish I could redo that. You know, because uh, everything led to I've been blessed. Yeah, I've been blessed, man. So good to hear, man. I hope you stay blessed forever. Um, Stitch, like I'm, I'm, I'm so happy you came on. Good to talk to you. Great stories, and uh, wish you the best. Um, we'll see you on the screen uh, Saturday. Is there anything else that you would like to promote? Yeah. Well, you know, you're talking about movies. I. Uh, I think in, in July, I'm kind of about three, four months, my wife and I are, are moving up there to uh, do an MMA movie, Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, to do an MMA movie, but I'm coming in as a consultant. And oh. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Just another, you know, another check mark that I wasn't expecting to do. And, uh, but, you know, during the Creed movies and, and Balboa and all of them, I've always given them my opinion on how to make that as realistic as possible. And, uh, they're bringing me in for that uh, for that moment. So yeah, so and then waiting for a creature that's coming up. But yeah, you know, I have a book from the field to the garden uh, that I wrote that's available at Amazon.com. And uh, the fields being that I grew up as a farm worker, and my goal was to make it to Madison Square Garden, uh, which is the capital, boxing capital of the world. You know that that yeah. arena. It's a very classic yeah. arena. And now they're filming. They're turning that into a uh, documentary. So got a lot of things going on. Wow. I've, been, I've been blessed. Okay. But, you know, cut man for hire. They, you know, they carry my, my stitch premium athletic tape. Uh, the KO swell. Uh, so those are available there. And uh, so yeah, I'm working with a CBD company that uh, created a cream for cuts for the healing process. Oh, it has wow. stem and has vitamin E and CBD and collagen. We've been using that uh, on bare knuckle fighters and boxers, and the results have been tremendous. So you know, you get cut. Oof. You put the cut cream on you for, you know, for the duration and it accelerates the eating process. Uh, but that's available at Cutman for Higher Supplies. Uh, is it accelerated so yeah, by a lot? Pardon me? Is it accelerated by a lot? Like, is it significant? Yeah, pretty much, man. You know, I, I'm very uh, interested in CBD products in yeah, general. I'm getting a box yeah, from my I, fighter uh, uh, soon. Yeah. Uh, I'll just see real quick before we get off. I'll show you some of the results that, uh, that have happened on that. Okay. And, and it's been... It's been pretty amazing. So this is a young kid from uh, Australia, Jason. Uh, let me see here. Oh, I see, see it, yeah. That? Oh, okay. that looks, yeah, that so, looks bad. A week later, that's him. A week? Right? Yeah. And then this is a bare knuckle fighter. Look, all right? Oh, yeah. That's and then nasty. a week later, that's him. Damn. 
though that was miracle. Fine. This is miracle yeah, cream. Also, they always joke also, about yeah. But also for major surgeries, this is my brother had stomach surgery, right? Yeah. And cool. and a week later, I got to show. Well, that's what it looked like without the tape, right? And then yeah. a week later, that's what it looks like. It's like the whole, um, especially bruising, yeah. disappears completely. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know, so so when I they asked me, I said, "Well, what proof do you have?" And they, well, that's what we called you. I said, "All right." And my marketing background, so let's, let's go, let's go, let's go get some proof sources. So yeah. that's available too. All right. Well, definitely don't take that to the UFC because they won't promote it. Um. No, they should though. They should because they should. Yeah. But, but, but let me tell you now. They put their sticker uh, on it. P PFL Professional Fight League. Yeah. Uh, they bought six of them for their fighters for the last show. So I'm going to talk to Scott Coker, and I think it's important for them to have yeah, it no, available for, sure. for the fighters because they're going to get cut. Yeah. You know, and and it does help the healing process, and it could help the career down the road. So, and it's also for plastic surgery, just for mm -hmm. anything where you get cut. So. Nice. Awesome. Well, PFL, well, PFL, you got uh, Clarissa Shields go make your debut soon. Um, keep us posted and um, wait. Good luck. It was it was great to talk to you. All right, man. Great day. All right, thank you. Also, okay. do it again. Yes, I'll be in touch. All right.